Dear brothers and sisters, there is both a danger that exists when we find ourselves in a place of extreme comfort or extreme difficulty. In the West, we have for a long time had great comforts. And with that, many of us have either forgotten about our God or we have diminished the calling upon our life as we've become distracted by other things. But then when persecution increases in countries, what often also happens is that persecution chokes many of the seeds and many lose their faith because of that. And what if today we live, if you live in the West, in a place of great comfort that is limited, that is at going to come to an end one day. And when that happens, when we have this shift that occurs from great comfort to great difficulty, what will that mean for believers who live in the West? Could this be the perfect situation for comfortable Christians to become non-Christians? And what if this danger of being lukewarm is the very thing that we must face here tonight? Because I want to submit to you that Yeshua, Jesus came and he gave a parable of 10 virgins. And the warning is a serious one because he spoke to people who understood who he was. These virgins were all waiting for him. They were all anticipating his return, but not all had the door opened to them. In fact, to some, he said, I do not know you. So you today, you can say, I I know Christ. I know God. I know the gospel. I go to church. But the question is, is does he know you? Will the door be opened to you? And so today I want to uh, welcome my dear friend and brother, uh, Pastor Tom Campbell, on with us here tonight. Pastor, thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you for having me, Brother Petey. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you too. I'm going to get right into it, just reading it all for us, and then we can discuss it. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And when the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, open to us also. But he answered, saying, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. All right, great. So, Pastor Tom, tell me a little bit about what your initial thoughts are about this chapter. Well, my initial thought is, you know, I, I've been studying and reading this all my life, but here the last month or so, it's really been a focus. And in context with the other parables that surround it, the ones in front of it and the one behind it, it's all has the same basic thought. And um, so to me, it's like it's a warning that the day will come that we're not looking for. And it's always given the idea of preparation, being wise for seeing that, preparing, and not knowing exactly the time that this particular thing will come, you know, come to pass. And, you know, as I've studied it each and every time, Brother Pity, that I go over this, there's new insights. And, you know, even as I shared with you and others, I'm not even trying to bring, I did study in the Greek and I did study in Hebrew and I did look it up, but my, it's not a knowledge that I want to impart as much as it is a burden that we truly are possibly moving so quickly into the very coming of the Lord. And many of us, the body of Christ at large, are just sleeping at the wheel, as it were. 
Amen. You know, and that's the thing. I think many people miss that. You know, when you when you're reading this parable and you're seeing these virgins, you're seeing them all waiting. And what's interesting is they're all kind of getting drowsy, right? Verse twenty-five, verse five, chapter twenty-five, verse five says he's delayed, right? And so they're all getting sleepy. So that means that his his coming is taking longer than anticipated for all of them. And the question is, is not is going to be, I guess, what are going to distinguish the wise from the foolish? What does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be foolish? Now, you know, one of the first things and most obvious things is we see that there is the oil and the oil is there is enough oil that the wise have. And but the, the foolish, they have the lamp that's burning, but there's just enough. So they weren't anticipating him to take this long. So they weren't preparing for him to take this long. So they didn't have enough oil to sustain their lamps for as long. They were, it seems, trusting in their own assumptions, even perhaps, regarding his return, what it would look like, when it would be, uh, and things of that nature. Yeah, it's interesting, too, as I studied, you know, Brother Petey, the word lamp is better. A better definition would be a torch. And it's interesting because the the word in, in, in Matthew 25 was go out to meet them. You know, so it wouldn't be this little clay pot that has a little flame because it would be snuffed out quickly. But it would be a, it was a torch. But what was interesting as I studied about the torch they were only good for a limited amount of time. And you would have to re-soak them mm. in oil and draw that back up, you know, and then relight them. And so it's interesting. I think it was like 9 to 15 minutes was the average burning of the torch. And, um, you know, it, it would be able to withstand the winds and, the, you know, just the outside environment. It was able to withstand more than, say, the little clay pot or the little lamp would be. But again, there was a limited time they would burn. And so if I, you know, I've been digging around in the Proverbs and he's, you know, Solomon was wiser than any man. And he said, a wise man foresees the evil and prepares the foolish pass on and they are punished. Mm. Well, and when you think about, you know, them trusting in that that flame they have, right? They, they, they're trusting in that this flame is enough and that, you know, they didn't have more oil that they brought with them. And if you now apply this to us here today, you know, I, I believe this flame is something that each and every one of us ought to obviously carry. But perhaps that initial fire is similar to our first love. You know, and I actually think that this fire is in its essence the love of God that we each have to carry. But, you know, when we have love for God and when we come to God and he's our, like we read in Revelation about the church who, who lost their first love, that sounds like a church whose flame has been going out. And he, in fact, he tells them that he says, I will remove your lampstand from you because of this. And when you now think of, that we have we're supposed to have this fuel that is the oil that is the love of God and how many of us are running on fumes because we've believed that our our first love you know when we came to Christ we're like we were everyone is passionate it's kind of like when you when you when you meet your you know wife or your husband you know and you're in that honeymoon stage of any relationship it's like wow like like we, we can just go on like this forever, but but soon you realize that investment is real needed in this relationship, that you now need to actually work on this relationship. You actually need to make more time. You need to, you know, you got you get what I'm saying. So there's this there's this fuel that needs to be gathered to make any relationship work. And and this is the oil that we need in our relationship with God. And it manifests out of us as the love of God, as the light of God that goes to the ends of the earth. And it is what makes him recognize us. And I think that's 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 the, the amazing part here is because 
the flame is what he sees. He sees a virgin with a flame and he sees a virgin who's got no more oil. And the flame is what he sees and says, I know you. And when he sees no flame, he says, who are you? I don't know you. Depart from me. So our, whether we look like him, carrying the love he had, investing in him, time in prayer, in, in, in the word, in serving, in whatever else, all of this is going to ensure that we have that preparation and, and some of that oil. What do, you, what do you think about the oil and so on, Fodor? You know, I, again, I've just laid out a bunch of questions that, you know, I, like you did. They're all virgins. That means they're all some type of undefiled. They're all available. They're all watching. They're all waiting. They all have lamps. They're all in one place together. And the only distinction was the wise had a vessel with oil in it where the unwise just had this lamp. And again, like you, Brother PD, I've been wrestling with, you know, we always, and I'm not saying this now, we always say that oil represents the Holy Spirit, and it does. It absolutely does. But in this context, you know, what is going on in this parable that the Lord would say they don't have oil? And so it's right. just, you know, you know, even if I go back to, um, remember when Yeshua was led out of, they leave the Passover and they go out into the, towards the Mount of Olives, which oddly is, is very fitting. They go to the Mount of Olives and he takes all the disciples with him. And then he sets the, uh, you know, nine of them down and then he takes Peter, James and John and he goes a little further and tells them to watch and pray. And then he goes further and begins to be crushed in this place called the Mount of Olives. And I thought it was very symbolic that that's where you know, this idea of watching and praying really took a real sound note. And, uh, you know, even like this, uh, Brother PD, he goes, and we know the story well, he goes and he comes back and he finds them asleep. And he says right. to them, watch and pray for the spirit indeed is willing, the flesh is weak. Mm. But to me, it was mm -hmm. very odd that he singled out one man, Peter. And, I, and I've been thinking, why would he talk to Peter? He didn't say, James, watch and pray, or John. He said, Peter, watch and pray. And as I thought about it, it was because right prior to that, Yeshua looked at Peter and said, Peter, the adversary has desired to have you, that he may sift you like wheat. But I pray that your faith would fail not. And when you're converted or turned, strengthen your brethren. And so Yeshua knew, Jesus knew what was getting ready to take place in the, this crushing time, and truly oil was coming out. But Peter, even as I think and said one of the gospels says, for sorrow, they were weep that they fell asleep, got drowsy. And so I've just been thinking like, part of the oil that we get is when God is crushing the idols of our heart, crushing our pridefulness, our arrogancy, that's being squoze out of us, mm -hmm. making room for this empowerment of the Holy Spirit that only comes by faith through Yeshua as we seek Him and get alone with Him and pray. Oh, amen. That's so good, Pastor Tom. You know, and I think a lot of people, we have to say this, you know, what you said is true in that, you know, the oil in some way does represent the Holy Spirit, but... But the danger is this, you know, it's so easy. Could it not be easy for any of those virgins, even the foolish virgins to say, you know, um, oh, well, I have the Holy Spirit. You know, I've been baptized. I speak in tongues or I caused out many demons or I healed many sick people. Obviously, I have the Holy Spirit. Or obviously, I have the oil. But yet we read in another place, they will say, Lord, have we not then done any all these mighty works in your name? And yet I will declare the part worker of lawlessness and and that's the same thing it's all connected to this parable um we see uh, other things you know we can say you can say oh i pay attention to the end times i'll be ready when he comes back i'm looking for all the signs or you could say oh i go to church every sunday or or i read my bible every night and, and all these things are wonderful but these things aren't necessarily the oil that is the key to him knowing you we see that 
and I just want to read Revelation 3.8 because I think this is going to tie it a bit uh, also together for everyone listening here. Uh, we see, he says there, I know your works. Behold, I've sat before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have, denied, have not denied my name. And then he says what that word is that you've, they've kept. And he says, because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world. And so we see that, like you just said, there's this pressing that they experience in, in Gethsemane. And here he's saying again, the word of patient to be to endure patiently, to be able to withstand uh, trial, but even more so, perhaps the greatest endurance is to endure in love, to love when it's most difficult, to love our enemies, to love our friends, to love fellow believers, and that love that perseveres to the end, that endures to the end that should endure to the end in us. I think that is, in its essence, the oil. That is the fuel. And, of course, with that is, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is where, where love is. You know, with that, He is. But remember to have love. I think so many people have lost sight of this great love that we should have. You know, it's easy to... to talk. Let, me, let me say what Yeshua says. You know, He said in... Uh, uh, as you wish to do to others, so so do as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them, right? And then he also goes and says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even the sinners do that. And if you do good to good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you know? Because even sinners do the same, right? So if we are looking at well, we can love. Because we love people in our church and our fellowship. Well, I actually think we actually struggle even with that today. We are, you know, Pastor Tom, I don't know, like, what, you got, what you've experienced as well. But, you know, I've just been seeing so much disunity, even in, in times of controversy like this, right? Uh, divisions, jealousies, infighting, pointing of the finger, being critical. And, and then we have all the other things like the, the sexual addictions, that pandemic we're facing, that has been and will be, and, and, and we continue to face, or, you know, all these. And if these things are inside the church now, what what is this to say about our responsibilities outside? Because that's what the light is supposed to be. And and I fear that we our light is, is actually going out because we can't even deal with the local body and people around us in a pleasant and kind and loving manner. And so if we can't do that, we have no longer any light for the world because the light is for the world, a light to be a light to the world. So, you know, I just I feel that's so important as we move into this because Yeshua is coming back for that bride who is that light. Amen. You know, even, um, I was going to look here, one of the parables right before, you know, Matthew 25 gives the idea of a servant, and he says, And if that servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, uh, the Lord of that servant will come in an hour that he's not aware of. So it's this whole theme about not being aware, but even like you said, this particular parable, this servant said, my Lord's not coming today. It's not going to be today. And I really think, too, you know, um, with the Hebraic and Messianic movement, especially, you know, we've got God so pegged on the calendar, he can't come back until we tell him to. You know, we, he can't come back unless we give him permission on the feast or a Sabbath or something. And then we look at the Christian church and it's like every breath you take, the Lord's coming, 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 coming. And and all the reality of these things, there's a reality to us to understand the coming of the Lord will catch us, the world, unaware. And so a wise man, Bob, the Scripture actually says in Proverbs again, a wise man, eyes are in his head. And so, you know, you and I know by, by looking around, by, by visiting, that the, 
we're in a time that is unlike any other. You know, truly, many people believe probably Hitler was the Antichrist in World oh, yeah. War One and Two was the end of the world and it was all over with. But we're many, many, many decades from that now. But truly, you know, even today, Brother Petey, we can do this and somebody in Africa or somebody in, in, in Israel can watch me and you sit here and talk about this. How much more could two witnesses fall in the street and the world actually be able to watch them die and lay there? We're actually living in that time. And so one of the things that stuck out to me in this parable, it says, you know, Matthew 25, 1, then shall the kingdom of heaven be like. So then gives the idea in the atmosphere of Matthew 25, 4, when you see all these things, then shall the kingdom of God be like this. Because the Bible is full of the kingdom of God is like a net. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like this or that. But in this season, he said, the kingdom of God then will be like this. And they're watching, they're waiting, they're looking. But I think one of the, one of the burdens of my heart is the body of Christ is so preoccupied with ministry, with life, that, that intimate time, that alone time that um that that true transparency with god that you don't get in a fellowship in a body that you get alone with god is the greatest need and the most lacking thing that i know of uh, in the church right now Mm. absolutely if if we can't be alone with him how will we have the mind of christ you know we we see that in the scriptures and having his mind is something that can only come by spending time with him with his mind in some ways and having his heart speak to us like when we go through our day to day we should already be knowing you know what he is uh, calling us to in this day and how to respond to what's coming our way and that can only happen and i'm not talking about in the flesh to know i'm talking about the knowing in the spirit the the to be led by the spirit and and that's not you know brown sisters if you're listening to this like that's not necessarily something that you know that is not something that comes by the flesh that's something that that is, your spirit is edified as you spend time with the father as you pray and as you seek his face as you worship there is something that happens to your spirit that with that communion and it's not always visible to your eyes or to your fleshly mind but then you find yourself the next day facing a situation or facing something with a brother or a sister you know this is this is you know a lot of what you you brought this up pastor tom because you know that's the crutch of this matter is you know the reason we have so much division and disunity and why we can't understand each other and why there's so much confusion sometimes among among believers is because of this because the 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 intimacy is not where it's supposed to be yeah, and that's um, the greatest thing that, you know, believers should be doing. And that's the hardest thing, honestly, to maintain. Oh, absolutely. And, brothers and sisters, I'll also say this, that, you know, remember what those virgins wanted to do, the foolish ones. They they wanted to run back. Well, first they asked, you know, from the wise virgins. They said, could we get some of your oil? You know, I mean, he's here. Right. There's no they realize in their heart there's no time to run back. And so they ask, can we get some of yours? And they say, no, we don't have enough for both you and for us. You need to go and get your own. And so for all of us, we need to remember that our oil is our oil. You you're not going to get to be entering that door of Yeshua on someone else's oil. You can't go on mom's oil or dad's oil or your brother or sister or spouse's oil or your pastor's oil or my oil. You can't just watch us here tonight talking about this and thinking like, well, that's how. No, it's going to be about you, your oil, about whether you have ensured that the love of God has filled you up and that you're carrying abundantly it with you. So that it's not just even because if you think about it, like the the lamp of those virgins that is burning 
is supposed to be the light that draws others in to say, wow, you have oil, you have you have a light. What are you waiting for? And they'll say, I'm waiting for the, the Messiah. He's coming soon. And perhaps then that person would be like, well, let me get oil too. Let me get a lamp running as well. Let me make sure that I'm ready too. But when he is at the door and when he comes, then it is too late. There's no time to run back to a store and go and buy something. It says Yeshua said that he, his coming is going to be like lightning. It's going to be like in an instant. There isn't going to be time to make things right suddenly or turn your life around or decide that now I'm going to pray my quick prayer. Jesus come into my heart and now I'm saved. No, there is a commitment that he is calling us to to wait upon him to ensure we ready ourselves. And so if we look at the world around us, that should be as as Yeshua said, just look at the weather and you know the sign of the time. So look at the weather of the world. The weather of the world is wars and rumors of wars. And Yeshua said, these are birth pains. These are the warnings that something is going to be birthed soon. And you must be ready for that. You know, it's a a good tie too. as I studied this. I just want to read it. and You may pull it up if you want to. It's Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse eight. It says, for you sometimes were darkness, but now are you light? Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things are reproved or made manifest by light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he says, Awake you that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly or wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And listen where he goes. And do not be drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, and then what's amazing to me, uh, Brother PD, he tells us exactly how to be filled with the Spirit. Speak to yourselves hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs. Make melody in your heart to the Lord. And then he starts saying, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Parents, don't provoke your children to anger. Children, obey your parents. Servants, mm. be gentle to or mass. I mean, he goes right into practical living, but he's... What he, his foundation was being filled with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. So there's and there's this there's this love that's throughout here. Husband, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. And so, absolutely, bro. That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. There's such a need for us also to restore worship, as we read here. So we see a few things, right? He's talking about worship. Uh, he's saying giving thanks. How many? How often should we be thanking him, being thankful for what we have, realizing the blessings he's given us, not becoming ignorant of those things, submitting to one to another. Wow, that's awesome. And it's just all bound together in love. And this all is the oil. This all is that which readies us for him. You know, and another interesting point of Brother PD is where it says, and be ye filled, it's not a one-time shot in the arm. The word in Greek means continually being filled. Mm -hmm. So it's not this one time. It's like continually dying, continually being filled, continually coming to the Lord. That's actually the wording that the apostle uses there in, in, in the book of Ephesians. So again, it goes right back to this vessel that the wise took that actually had extra oil in it. And I can't help but think about Elijah when he had done a lot for the Lord and, you know, he, he was used of God to bring down fire on the altar and destroy all the prophets of Baal. Right. He leaves because Jezebel wants to take his life and he's there. And then the famine hits, all this stuff goes on. But there's a, it's an interesting thought where it says, 
And an angel came to Elijah and said, wake up, eat and drink for the journey is too far for you. And I often think, you know, the journey that we're on is so far. We got to have this encounter with God where we're getting supernatural food and drink. We're getting the nourishment of the soul that only God can give because the journey that we're on this, this as a, John Bunyan put it in Pilgrim's Progress. We're going from the city of destruction to the celestial city, and we've got this long journey to take. Only the Holy Spirit can get us to that. He's the guide. He's the, he's the seal. You know, he's the one that produces life in us. We are absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit above everything else. Amen. And brothers and sisters, if you're listening to this and you're you're looking at your life and you're, you're saying, I have trial, I have tribulation, things are going wrong, I have hardship. Remember that these things, Father allows uh, some of this to happen so we can be grown, so we can grow in this endurance, so that we can be ready for the times that are coming. And so we praise Him, as Paul said, in every situation because it produces hope and it produces endurance in us. So remember that... Uh, that joy of the Lord, even in the midst of all of that. And then your cup will be full. You would rather, you know, we've all gone through hard times. Everyone who's listening, me, Tom, we've all gone through hard times. And we would so much rather have our cup be full because of that, because we've allowed the Father to prune us, like because that's what all, how olive oil is produced, right? It's by a pressing. It's the olives are, are you know, in the old time, in the ancient times, they would oftentimes just with their feet stand and, and just press, and so that the oil can come out. And so we, to have that oil, there's something. There's a cost to that oil. It it needs. It's laborious. And it's, it's sometimes difficult to get and it's valuable, but yet it is worth it because that is the very thing that Yeshua is looking for in us. How did we, I guess the question is, is how did we deal with the investment that came our way? You know, we're all, we all have what God has come to, to give us. He's all given us life. He's all given us, um, uh, uh, everything that life per that pertains to life. And the question is, is what did you do with that? Did you let it produce oil or did you spend it on your own pleasures on other things instead of the oil that you simply are using to wait on the Lord with and to burn this light See that, and that that speaks to our resources. It speaks to our time. It speaks to whether we we're distracted are we investing in the light that God is giving us or are we investing in this world? Do we lay treasures up on earth, as Yeshua said, or are we having our eyes on heaven, laying up treasures there, in other words, because we are awaiting on what is coming, not 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 living like he said, don't. Uh, don't live this life, but live for that life. Don't seek to keep your life because you'll lose it. But the one who loses his life will gain it, gain eternal life in life hereafter. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome. Uh, Pastor Tom, do you have any, any more thoughts, concluding thoughts you want to add to this? Yeah, yeah one, I just want to add one thing you said in Proverbs 21.20. It says, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spins it up. It just echoes what you just said. You know, I think a lot of, I, I'm guilty. A lot of us are guilty of the investments that God has invested in us. Sometimes we can prostitute. Sometimes we, you know, lose and drop and all this stuff. But my part of the burden that I have is the body of Christ at large. I just wonder could they raise their hand and tell you or me or their pastor what it is God has entrusted them? And I'm not just talking about they have, you know, $100,000 in a bank and four cars and a house. Those are blessings. But what gift did God give them that they're supposed to toil and labor and work with and have, you know, another parable surrounding 25, Matthew 25 is, 
the parable of the talents, five talents, two talents, and one talent, they all were told to take. The one that had five and the one that had two actually had gained others beside that. And at the coming of the Lord gave it back. But the one uh, that had the one talent, the scripture says he went and he hid his talent in the earth because he knew God was a hard man. And it's interesting, Brother Petey, the, it said he wrapped it in a napkin. And the word napkin is sweat cloth. The very thing we were to use to swap the sweat of our brow as we toil and labor is where he hid, you know, this investment that God has invested in him. And I just wonder how many people even right now, as we talk, they have giftings of, uh, of truly giftings from God. They're pastors, they're leaders, they're evangelists, they're elders, they're musicians, they're worshipers. They have the gift of hospitality. They can give cheerfully. They really have giftings and callings of God. But Holy Spirit gifts. Whatever, yeah, all these, they have them. They possess them. But because of life and because of um, things they can't necessarily understand, that particular gift is laying dormant. And so part of the burden before that awful day comes and God calls and the bridegroom is coming, we have an opportunity now to stir up the gift of God that's in me. I'm trying to stir up the gift that God placed in me. I'll give you a, a little example of um, Many times in my life, Brother Petey, God has challenged me with fasting and eating. And there's been many days that I have poured out food to the Lord. Literally, I've walked out, dumped it on the ground, poured it out, and said, God, I pour this out to you. Just like David did when he, remember David wanted water from the well of Bethlehem, and they got it, and he poured it out. And so today, you know, we're fasting on, on these days, and um, I went to see my daughter. She works at Dunkin' Donuts. And so I walk in, I'm thinking, I don't want to buy anything. I don't want to <laughs> I wanted to see my daughter. So I get there and she's like, what do you want, daddy? I was like, well, give me a pumpkin uh, muffin and a chai tea, right? <laughs> so my whole heart, I ain't eating, I ain't drinking, right? So I get here and I'm in my office and I'm cleaning up a little bit, just worshiping. And there's a bag with a muffin in it. And my, I haven't even touched it because I'm wrestling kind of inside whether to indulge a little or not. <laughs> so what makes it funny is I'm thinking about those times that I poured out to God. And as I sit down, I close my eyes. I'm like, Lord, you know, I don't want to really pray about it because it's kind of, you know, a non-thinker. But I hear 23 and I think 23, Proverbs 23. I look down. My Bible is open. I look at the heading, Proverbs. I look at the chapter. It says 22. And then I look on the other page, chapter 23, verse 1. Now, let me read this to you. When you sit to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you be a man given to appetite, do not be desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. And I just sat here and I thought, I'm going to pour this. Out. I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll pour this out to you. And the reason I say that is what if just what if? The midnight call is not this global shaking, but what if it's the Holy Spirit, just like he does with you and me at times when we lay down and we've ministered all day, all of a sudden we get a call. It's time to pray. And we have an opportunity in that moment, just like the woman in the Song of Solomon. The Lord put his hand on the door and she said, how can I get up? I've put off my shoes. I'm laying in the bed. And she wrestled with herself. And when she got up and went to the door, she said it smelled like myrrh. And she opened the door and she has this statement, but my beloved has withdrawn himself. And the very watchmen that in a chapter prior were given her consolation and comfort about this great lover of her soul. Now these same servants are beating her and smiting her. And I think that's the picture of what is being conveyed. There is nothing that should take the place of the Lord and in our intimacy with him. But I, but we so often prostitute that to the things of this world because of the gratification of the flesh or the enjoyment of life. And we don't realize we're actually spending something. One is our time and our efforts. One is our affection. And the other is this oil that we only get as we're alone with God. Oh, I mean, that's good. Brothers and sisters, it is...
time for us to get alone with God. Amen. Come on, I know we've been talking about this on the channel for a while, but really, if you're listening to this today, let this be the call. Let this be the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you haven't been alone with me as much as I've been calling you to. You know, that still small voice is he's calling us. You need to listen, incline your ear. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, we don't hear God. We where is he? Why isn't he speaking to us? I actually think he's speaking to us all the time. The question is just is, are we really listening? Are we inclining our ear? And and it's really a, a it's like a chain reaction. The, the moment that you incline your ear once in obedience and when he's calling you, when you feel inclined, go and pray and obey that voice. And then when he speaks to you again, it'll be more clear. It'll be more easy to discern what he's calling you to do in a certain situation, in a time, in a season. And perhaps one day you may stand before a Red Sea like Moses and be faced with a difficult trial like no other with Pharaoh and chariots coming. And there's a sea in front of you and there's people with you. Will you be the one who be able to stand up and split the sea by the power of God because you have been with him? Because remember, Moses has been with him at that point. That's why Moses could do the things he did by God, because he was with God and God was with him. It wasn't just that Moses knew about God, but God knew Moses. And we, yes, you could say, oh, I know about God. But does God know you and the way that he knows you? It's like you could say, well, I, I know the president. Well, yeah, like all of us know the name of the president. We watch him on TV and all the things of that nature. But does he know you? Well, no. But if you have access to the White House and you actually meet your appointments, then he he could come to know you. And the father has made appointments with you. He has. That's true. He's called you. He said, you you have open access. I've opened my gates by because Yeshua is the door. And he's saying, I've opened the gates up. I've allowed you to come into my presence. Will you take this opportunity now with, as Tom said, the the investments that he's given you, the opportunities he's given you, the breath in your lungs he's given you now to speak If that breath that you have in your lungs right now as I breathe in and out like if if that is that is the ruach right that breath that is spirit if that has not been given to me to speak to the father then what is it for what am i doing with it well how could i squander it on other things even dare i say ministry things like it's a we can work for god in all kinds of ways doing good things but do we also give some of that to actually to him to have that personal one on one with him? Because nothing else, as Tom said, nothing else can take that place or should ever take that place. Amen, brother. Amen. So, uh, Tom, share with us any concluding thoughts you may have on this parable, any message you may have for our listeners and and then at the end of that, I'd love for you to, to pray for us all so that we could ensure like we have this oil that Yeshua said we should be looking out for. I, I guess the concluding thought I would have <clears throat> would be, again, this is a real burden that I, I feel. And um, I really feel like we're in that time and that precipice, if you will, of, a, of, of the United States truly being humbled to her knees. And in that hour, in that moment, you know, if we if, if we struggle now with intimacy with the Lord and 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 um, connection time, how much more when our life is at stake or all of our privileges are gone or there's a real tightening up on what we would say our freedom, you know, we can't fool ourselves to think we're going to do better then than we're doing now. Yeah. And so the burden on my heart is. I have an opportunity by God. I can press in today. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, whatsoever your hands do, do. Because right now, God accepts your works. You and I are living. God is accepting what we're doing. And we're to do it with all of our ability. We're to live joyfully with the wife of our youth. All of this stuff, 
we have an opportunity and I don't, I want to be two things, Brother Petey. I want to be faithful and I want to be fruitful. And I don't want to be like the man with one talent saying, you gave it to me, but I just didn't gain anything. And so the part of the burden on my heart is to, to get the body ready for the coming of the Lord. You know, and John the Baptist is a really good illustration. What was he? He was a light. Scripture says he was a light and he prepared the way of the Lord. And so here we are again in the in the latter days, again, Brother Petey, tr trying to uh, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight because he's coming. And the greatest thing that we'll have, it won't be about how big our ministry is or our platforms or how much money. What will matter is, do I know him and does he know me? That'll be the bottom line that we'll be struggling, you know, struggling for. And so my prayer as we'll pray here in just a second is just that God would bring us so close to him. You know, the old writers, some of the old Puritans used to talk about being frequent and familiar with the gates of heaven, meaning in prayer, they were so often to prayer and so simple and so transparent. It was like they knew the courts very well. And I think that's where uh, I feel God has always been calling us as a body but how much more, as we read in Ephesians 5, redeeming the time because it's evil, because that day is approaching. So uh, let's pray. Father, I just I thank you that you don't do anything, Lord, except you reveal it. And Lord, here across the body, many men and women are, are rising up and feeling this time to, to be drawing near to you. And for that, I thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, today, my prayer is that everyone listening and those that will share it, Father, that they will be an opened heaven in the in the place of prayer, in the secret place. They would be a they would be a real tangible presence of God in their in their alone time with you. And that Lord, you would put in us, Lord, put in us the divine oil and fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, continually pour into us as we seek, Father, to empty ourselves of the flesh and of the world, and of the devil, and draw near to you, fill us with the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray for those that are listening, those that are watching, may true conviction grip their heart if they're out of the will of God, and give them space and place and opportunity to draw near to you. And for those that are walking far off, Lord, bring them near. And to those that, Father, are truly walking with you, I just pray for an increase uh, in the desire of their heart to seek you with all that they have and all that they are, and that you'd bless them, Father. And I ask this in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Tom. Really appreciate that. Hey, guys, I want to read some of the uh, comments here. Um, I see, uh, hey, Pastor Matthew Thomas Miller. Okay, oh, okay, I see they're talking in the chat there with each other. Um, I see... Uh, Homilius Lupulus, I'm, I hope I get your name right. I feel like I am rising on fire right now. You all encouraged me. I needed this tonight. I've been beat up this week. Praise God. All glory to him. Um, I have another comment here from dedicated to y'all. Guilty. Many times I've been guilty of not doing something, rationalizing. Oh, if I don't do the right thing, then I won't be guilty. Afraid. What if I do the wrong thing, then do nothing, a lie and a trap? Yes, uh, that that can be a difficult thing. But if the Father is putting something in your heart, don't fear. Go in boldness. Go forward. And, and you know, what I found to be helpful is not to ask, you know, what if the wrong, what if it goes wrong? But what if it goes right? What if what God is putting on my heart goes forward and happens you know sometimes we're like what what if they don't get healed or or what if what if i go and say a word or, or share something with someone and but what if you're right and what if they do get healed what if there comes freedom by what you're doing see it that way move from hope not from fear um, um justine says such a timely message this evening praise abba Praise the Father. Thank you for joining us. All right. 
We have one more from Facebook. Deb Rodriguez, we must go in our homes, shut the door, push away distractions, fill our jars with oil in prayer, in scripture, memorization, in surrender, in surrendering our past, present, future, and so on. Uh, Linda says, Yeshua went alone with the Father. Yes, the lack of intimacy shows when with others. We need so much time and intimacy with Him, our very life. Amen. It's a good word as well. Yeah. Erica says, just got done reading your book, Petey. So thankful to have landed on it. It convicted me instead of fire me. When I, like when I first came to Yas Commandments. Well, praise God, Erica. All glory to the Father. Thank you for sharing that. That is, I can't take credit for that book. Um, all glory to the Father. But yes, I, I connect with that because it's like when you, when you come and, and meet the Holy Spirit in a deeper way, it's like when you met the truth that first time in a deeper way. It's like, wow. And now he's, he's restoring spirit and truth to us and that's extremely exciting and so i just pray to the father blesses you on that journey that you would experience all the things that you read in the scriptures in the life of yeshua in your own life and let's go for one more um shaul yisrael is saying shalom family i am homeless need prayers so, Father, I just pray for him right now. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be with him, give him peace and strength. And, Lord, that you would open doors, Father, of provision, of, of a work opportunity, employment. Uh, Father, I pray, Lord, that there would just be a, uh, this would be a time, Lord, that he meets with you greater and deeper and grow with you. But, Father, I thank you that you, Lord, say that you look after the, the birds and how much more. Would you look after us, Lord? I pray that you would look yes, after him. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. I really appreciate you all. Uh, and uh, Pastor Tom, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I hope that this has been a blessing to everyone who's been here tonight. And uh, if you would like to join me in being a blessing to Pastor Tom, giving his time and energy to labor among us here tonight, because this was really his message, um, please consider partnering with the ministry so we could bless him. Thank you so much for joining. Please share, like this video. We can't wait to see you guys all in the next one. Many blessings to you. Shalom.